Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God is a good God. We had a phenomenal first service, and we want to just, again, be thanking all those that came for the first time. Maybe you're back after a while. Maybe you've never been here. Uh, maybe you've been here a long time. Today is Back to Church Sunday, and it's just a day that they make a national thing that kind of reminds people, you know what? We need to get to church, right? And we know we had a lot of time off last year, and so we're making up for lost time. Thankfully, in our church here, we didn't have to miss too much. But we want you to, to know that we're thankful that you chose here over lots of other churches that you could have came to. Amen? And I want to just do something this morning uh, to show some testimonies. If I, if I gave the microphone right now to people across this congregation, literally for hours, people could testify. But I want to do something a little quicker and a little more powerful this morning because there's a tie and a miracle to the house, to the church. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. That we know God's power to heal, to deliver, to set free, to do anything is anywhere, any place, anytime. God can move. But God uses the church to do these things. Amen? And we just want to show for the glory of God in this place what God has done. So if you hear one of these things, uh, I want you to stand in a moment. But I want it to be specific to this church. If you have had any of these testimonies and you stand, it's that God did that here in this place. Okay? And in the first service, we started off with healing, but we had Jerwan stand up. Many of you know that she was pretty much near death and, and needed a heart and was really looking grim. And she's only in her 30s. She used to run track for UNT, but by the grace of God, for the glory of God, she was here in the first service this morning, and she has a new heart, and God has healed her body, and that's a miracle. Amen? So if you have been healed in this place at any time, cancers, tumors, anything, I want you to stand just real quick all across this place. If God has ever healed your body in this church, just look around at all the different healings, amen, and see that God still heals today, amen? Praise God. You can be seated. Maybe you are in this church, you've learned how to tithe, you've learned how to give, you've learned how to trust God with one of the hardest things to trust God with, with is, with is your finances. If you have had a, and when I say this, I mean miracle, I mean something that was a promotion that was unbelievable, that was a, a financial breakthrough, you got out of debt, you, you were able to buy a house when you were able, something that connects to a financial blessing in this church because you've learned how to give to God. I want you to stand this morning, and I'm standing for that myself. I also stand for the healing. Just look around, all the financial miracles in this place, amen? Come on, let's give the Lord praise for a financial breakthrough. Amen? You can be seated. This is a big one. I think this is a huge one today in our day, and, and, and I thought it was going to be a little touchy in the first one, but it was people sprung up. So uh, if you have had your marriage restored in this church, I want you to stand up. If your marriage has been restored, stand up. And You came in here, and it was, it was struggling. It was tough. Things weren't going the way you wanted it to go. Amen. Look at all these people whose marriage has been restored. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. And then many, many, by just raising your hand, you don't have to stand. How many have been married? We actually married you in this church. Look at all the people that got married in this church. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I can look at all you and remember that day. Amen. Each individual. I know Dwayne and Myra just celebrated nine years yesterday, and it's a miracle. Amen. A miracle of God's grace. And the last one, and this, there's probably others that I could mention, but this is a big one. We, we believe in the power of, of being set free. 
If you're in this place and God, through this church, obviously through Jesus, but he used this church to set you free from alcohol, drugs, maybe it was any kind of addiction, I just want you to stand in this place. You've been set free from drugs, alcohol, some kind of addiction. Amen. Look at this. Look at all these miracles. Amen. Let's give the Lord another big, big praise. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. That's, that's just to show how important church is. And I want to talk this morning, if you'll put the title up, about is, is church worth my time? Is church worth my time? Now, I'm going to go ahead and answer that for you, just to get it out the way. Yes. And I think with seeing all these miracles and all these testimonies and all these breakthroughs, it's obvious But I want to kind of hit this because when we don't come to church, when we're not consistent in our in our attendance to church and and, and get this, you're here. So you're saying, why are you preaching this to the choir? Because our goal this morning is that you stay here. Our goal is that if you're a guest, you're here for the first time, second time, third time, or you haven't been here for a while, that you'd make this place that you're, your home, that you'd say, this is where I'm going to come and become family. When you come as a guest, we always say, if you come for the third time, you're family. Amen? So be careful about your second visit. <laughs> Amen? Because it's leading you one way or the other. So, But we have a family here. And how many realize that church family is many times closer and even better than a real family? You can have a family in church that you can't have somewhere else. And so I said all that because I kind of want to address this and get us to be like, you know what, I'm not wasting my time when I come to church. In this place, think about this. We have some people who really understand the value of their time. And they have come to understand what it means to serve. We have over 60 people in our church that are part of our serve team. And they're part of uh, all the stuff that goes on. There's a whole bunch of craziness going on back behind here with your kids. Amen? And there's children's church, and there's nursery, and there's ushers, and there's safety team, and there's praise team, and there's outreaches. And so all this team of over 60 people on Sunday mornings... They are here from 8 o'clock in the morning until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's five hours. How many know that's a serious commitment? That's saying, you know what, I'm going to make the Lord's day the Lord's day. And I want us to give a big thanks to those people who serve us this morning in our church. Amen? And spend that many hours every Sunday to come and serve. And they do it because they love the Lord. So I'm going to hit some things this morning, a few areas of if you've ever talked to somebody or maybe you're this person. You've asked, you know, is church worth my time or should I go to church? And I'm going to hit some stereotypes this morning. And one of the most famous sayings, one of the most famous things you run into, because we are an outreach church, and by the way, don't miss these movies, starting not this Friday but the following, for three weeks in a row we're going to show some really good movies, uh, actually back behind the building here over in the grass. Uh, It's going to be a good time together, popcorn, candy, and drinks. You can bring your own food, you can bring your own chairs. And it's going to be a really good outreach. But we're an outreach church. We're going to, we go to the square on Thursday nights and preach and hold up signs. And we, we pass out Jesus cards. And we're about, we're about telling people about Jesus. So we hear these things when we invite people to church. And they say, some people say, I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to church. The church is, the church is not a building. How many have ever heard that before? That famous saying. And I'm just going to go ahead and agree with that. It's true. The church is not a building. We are the church. We make up the church, the people. We the people are the church. And as a matter of fact, we're extra blessed in Victory World Outreach because how many know you've got family, immediate family, and then you've got family? 
When I pray for my family, my immediate family for me is my wife, my daughters, and my son-in-laws, and my grandson. That's my immediate family. Then I've got my parents and my brothers and sisters and cousins. So how many know that here, this church is our, in the body of Christ, I should say, that's, that's our, our family. But our immediate family is Victory World Outreach. And our close-knit family is this church here in Denton. But we have churches all over the world that right now are having church Right now in Arusha, Tanzania, in Kenya, in the Congo. Matter of fact, Pastor Mario is going very soon to go preach at the conference uh, in Congo, in Kenya. We have a conference that just happened in Mexico City last week. We've got conferences coming up in Czech Republic and Slovakia. By the way, last week when we took up that money for the offering for, El Sal- for, sorry, for Costa Rica, every dime came in almost to the exact dime of what we needed last Sunday, and we already sent it off. Amen. So we want you to know that when we take up money for things, we, we put it where we say we're going to put it. As soon as they build that storage unit, we'll get pictures. I'm saying all this because the thought is, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. True, but I want you to think about something. How many know that a lawyer is a lawyer because he went to school, he got a degree, he, went to the bar, he passed the bar and all that stuff. But how many know a lawyer has to practice law in a courthouse? Am I right about that? There has to be a place where the lawyer practices his law. And so a lawyer, when they're a lawyer, when they go to bed at night, they're a lawyer. When they wake up in the morning, they're a lawyer. When they go to a restaurant, they're a lawyer. Wherever they go to the store, they're a lawyer. But how many know that lawyers go to courthouses to practice law? How about a doctor? How about a surgeon? A doctor and a surgeon goes to school for a lot of years to, to learn what they do. And how many know they really don't pay, get paid enough, amen, for all the stuff they do when it comes to surgery? But how many know a doctor is a doctor when he goes to bed, and a doctor when he wakes up, a doctor when he goes to the store, a doctor when he doesn't sleep much at night because they don't? But he has to practice his practice of being a doctor where? At a hospital or at a surgical room. I want to have Brian come up for a second, if he would, and I'm going to have him bring one of my friends. And Dwayne, I want you to join me on this one, too, so I can have two big, handsome guys next to me on this illustration. Me and Dwayne and Brian are ballers. Well, at least we used to be. (laughs) Brian was, that's what Brian, we still kind of feel like we are up here. But this ball right here is, is a friend of ours. We like this thing, right? We love to hold it. We love to bounce it. We love to shoot it. No look, see? Me and Brian and Dwayne all met on the basketball court at different times. We love this basketball. Lots of people say they play basketball, but they're not true ballers. Right, Tony? Right? A baller's a baller. We know what a baller looks like, right? And I used another friend of ours, David, in the first service. We had to go help his wife with something. So my point here is lots of people say they're ballers. But can you imagine if Brian and Dwayne always told me, man, we're ballers, we ball. But I would like, but I've never seen you in the gym before. You say you're a baller, but you have to play basketball in a gym with a basketball hoop. And if I always saw Brian holding, and I actually have people in my mind that I've seen them do this. I won't say names because they might come into the church someday. But I, I used to see a guy who would come to the gym all the time. He had a backpack on and a ball in his hand, and he never played. But he was there. At least he was there. Amen? But my point is, if I'm a baller, then I go to the basketball court to play basketball. I go to a gym. Amen? Thank you, friends. You can be seated. How many are getting what I'm saying? 
What does this have to do with church? It means that as a Christian and a believer, when I wake up in the morning, I'm a believer. When I go to sleep at night, I'm a believer. When I go to the restaurant, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. When I go to the store, I'm a Christian. But Christians go to church. Amen. Just like a doctor goes to a place to practice and a law person goes to the courthouse, Christians come to church. And so God established a place for us to come where we can be together and we can learn God's word. But how many would agree with me today that God has been put on the back burner? Amen? He's been put on the back burner. We don't, and when I say this, I just mean as a society, I mean in the world, especially in the days we're living in right now, we have put God on the back burner. We don't need God anymore. We, we, we don't really possibly just say, say it, but we, we mean it by our actions. And look at the way our country is right now. Look at the condition that our country's in right now because God is not a priority. And again, Pastor, why are you telling us this? We're here. We're at church because I want you to stay. And I want you to understand how important it is to commit to being in God's house with God's people. Amen? Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And as we put this verse up, I want to read a few verses here. I want to say this verse. Actually, take it back down for a second because I skipped something important. Here's, a, here's proof in the pudding. A hundred years ago, in the 20s and 30s, church people was made up 70% of the United States. Meaning every Sunday morning... Seven out of ten people in the United States got up and went to church. Seven out of ten. That's a lot. And that happened for six decades. For 60 years, it stayed at 70%. And you can kind of look at our, at our past about where that 60 years ended and where stuff started going downhill in our country. When people stopped going to church, people stopped making church a priority and coming to the house of God, our morals began to go down. We began to come out with garbage TV shows and garbage movies. We began to do things that we didn't do before. We began, and when I say this, I'm talking about as a society. So, to, so back then, 7 out of 10 went, only 3 didn't. Today, it's about 3 that go to church and 7 don't. That's how much it's switched. And so how many know that's a problem? But look what the Bible says. John mentioned at the prayer. We talk about the Bible here. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. How many know we need to be a place of hope? The church is a place of hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another. This is what we do when we come together as a church. We, we, we encourage each other. We help each other. We high-five each other. We pray for each other. And in order to stir up love and good works. Now watch this next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now I already know, just leave that up for a second. I already know what some of you are thinking, especially if you're, one, if you're a Bible scholar here. One of those really smart Bible people. You're going to say, oh, that's what everybody uses when they talk about church. That one verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where he said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Well, you know what? People use John 3.16 a lot for salvation. This just happens to be a good verse. Amen? But Paul is saying here to not forsake our coming together. And watch this. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another. And he says, I need you to do this even more so as you see the day, capital D, approaching. So according to what the Bible says, 
And statistics I just read you, we're going to church less now than we used to, although we're closer to the return of Christ than we used to be. So we're not really listening to the Bible. The Bible was like, hey, as you get closer to my return, I need you to be more in church. I need you to be more involved. I need you to be more locked in so that you're ready. But here's another thing, church. It's not just the return of Christ. What about the day of your last breath? Let me know we don't know whenever whenever that's going to happen. So I'm just trying to get you to understand this morning, we need church more now, I think, than we've ever needed church before. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why do we need church? I'm glad you asked. But know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Have we honestly ever seen in our lifetime more perilous times than now? Have we ever seen more craziest than, craziness than now? We're in a world that is upside down. And he says in the last days, these perilous times will come. And people are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. And boasters and proud and blasphemers and, and disobedient to parents. See, a lot of these things, just think about this. A lot of those verses that you're reading there are things that right now we're teaching your brats. I mean your kids back behind me. Amen. Your kids are learning right now at young ages not to lie, not to be a blasphemer, not to be disobedient to your parents. You want your, parent, you want your kids to grow up in the Lord? Bring them to church. We'll help you. We can't raise your kids, but we're going to help you. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. And watch this. I want to really hit this last part. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is where it's going to get a little bit heavy. I believe today in our world... We have become people, even as Christians many times, that are lovers more of pleasure than we are lovers of God. Amen? Everybody still here? All right. How many would agree with that? We have a people who, as a people, we, we've, we've, we've got all these things we want to do, and, and in a way we've kind of put God, on the, like I said, on the back burner. We're too busy for God, and, and, and so we, we don't go to church. So one of those things is I ain't got time for church. I'm busy. Here's another one. Here's another thing that's said. Besides churches, not a building. I don't have time for that. Here's the big one right here. How many have ever said, or sorry, heard, not said. I'm not going to put you on blast. How many have ever heard somebody say, in the, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there? Let me see your hand if you've ever heard that. I'm not going to ask you if you said it. If you did, that's fine. But that's one of those things that everybody says. I, I don't go there because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I got news for you. There's room for one more. Amen. We got room for another one. Come on in. Everybody is a hypocrite in some way. Even if you try not to be, you're going to be hypocritical in something, and that's just the truth. Let me ask you this. How many have ever ate at a restaurant and you got bad food? Let me see your hand. Bad food. It could have been like, man, that didn't taste good, or, or the service was horrible, or you got sick. I, I, have anybody ever heard of Tony Romas? Not Tony, Tony Romo, Tony, Tony Romas. It's a barbecue place uh, for ribs. And I ate that place once in Costa Rica. And I got bad ribs. And I got food poisoning. Has anybody ever had food poisoning? 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? Not to be gross, right? 
It's going out both ends, 24 hours, every half an hour, sick as a dog. I was blessed to have a sink right in front of the toilet, the house I lived in in Costa Rica. It was a, it was a God thing. My wife's like, you went too far. But guess what? I never went back to Tony Roma's to eat again, but I didn't stop eating. I didn't stop going to restaurants. I just don't go back to that restaurant. See, that's what people do a lot of times. They say, oh, someone hurt me in church. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. How many know that you go to a different restaurant? You find a different place. You don't just stop going to church. Here's what a lot of people say. I'm too busy for God. They won't say it. And it's like you meet someone, hey, nice to meet you. I'm too busy for God. No one does that. But we are too busy for God because of the way we live and our actions. But a lot of people say this. I love God, but I really don't have time for him. Again, they don't say it, but they show it with their actions. How many know passion is a good thing to have? Matter of fact, church, God gave us passion. Passion, if you look at the dictionary, it can actually even move more into relationships, husband and wife, passion, that kind of passion. God wants us to have passion for him. God's okay with us having passion for things, but the problem is we've become so passionate about things that we're more passionate about things than we are passionate about God. Can I get a better amen? What are some things that we can be so passionate about that we're more passionate than we are with God? None of these things I'm going to mention are wrong in themselves. It's when we put more emphasis on them than God. God says, I'm a jealous God, and I don't share my glory with anybody. He said, I don't care if you like things. I want you to enjoy life, but I need to be number one. Right? And so career. Some people are more passionate about their career than they are God, and don't even realize it was God that gave them the career in the first place. Now, I'm just going to hit hard real quick on one of mine. One of the things that I had to really, really learn about is sports. I love sports. I already said I love basketball. I played basketball. I played sports. I love to watch sports. I really don't watch much else on TV but sports. If I watch TV, I watch sports. And, and last night, as a matter of fact, I just turned on a football game after I was done studying, and I was watching a little bit of the Oklahoma game up there in Norman, and I know that there's a lot of crazy fans in that stadium, right? There's a lot of crazy fans. Tomorrow night, when the Cowboys whoop the Eagles, there's going to be a bunch of crazy fans in that stadium. Amen. I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay? But here's the sad thing. This, now, y'all laughed and smiled. Now we get ready to not smile anymore. Here's what drives me nuts and bothers me is they see somebody in church, arms crossed, looking like they're sucking on a dill pickle, won't clap, won't shout, won't sing, won't do anything in church for God, but watch them tomorrow night on Monday Night Football, painted face at the, at the stadium at noon, barbecuing, clapping, shouting, jumping up and down for a touchdown that don't do anything for you. I'm going to turn around and preach to these guys over here because, hello, right? It's, it's okay. To like, I like sports. I get, I get excited. When we score, t- I'm, I'm a fan. But early on when I got saved, God told me, hey, I'm okay with you liking sports. Just don't act crazy at a game and come into my church and not even clap for me. Can you see the picture? Do I don't need to put it up on the video screen, do I? What am I trying to say? How could we ever be more passionate about things than we are about God? I mean, those games are for exactly what they're called, entertainment. They entertain us. 
But has, any, has anybody received a check in the mail lately from Jerry Jones? Has anybody gotten any money from those athletes? No. But God gives us all kinds of things. God gives us life. God gives us breath. God gives us jobs. God gives us all kinds of great things. We should come in and clap and shout. And Some of y'all, when, when, when we were at the end of that praise time and we were clapping and shouting, some of you were like, man, it's kind of loud in here. Why shouldn't we be loud in church? Why shouldn't we be excited in church? We're not at a funeral. We're at the, we're at the service recognizing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? My friend David that, that was here in the first service, I had him stand up and put him on blast. That's why he left. I don't know if he'll be back. Just kidding. He'll be back. We used to go play basketball in Allen, South Lake. I'm pointing the wrong South Lake, uh, Irving, Castle Hill. Sometimes we go all the way over to Prosper. I live in Bridgeport now. It's a long ways. We go play basketball. We go play far. We'd go get our team together. And we'd go to 24-hour fitnesses, and we'd go in there, and we'd whoop up on everybody. Amen. It's true, right, Brian? We used to whoop up on everybody. Brian, Brian just stopped traveling with us. He was on the team in the beginning, but he got busy with his wife and stuff. So, Amen. <laughs> but why am I saying this? Because one time David, who now, thank God, is on serve team. He got married in this church. He's got two beautiful kids. They're in love with God. They, have a, they celebrated four years of marriage to, yet to yesterday. That same David used to tell me when I would invite him to church, David, come on, come to church tomorrow. He'd say, it's too far. Hello, my David, and this is after he knew I was the pastor. David, we just drove 40 minutes to play basketball. Denton's 20 minutes. That's what happened to David. He realized I'm being a hypocrite, right? And that, don't we, so I'm trying to get you to understand all the excuses that we make to not go to church but we don't make those excuses to do something we want to do. Maybe we don't understand how valuable our time is. Maybe we think, we think we're wasting our time when we come to church, but it's not a waste of time. I would venture to say most of the stuff we do outside of church is a waste of time. This is, you'll never waste time in church. You'll never waste time coming to hear a message that can save you, deliver you, set you free, help your marriage, help your kids, help your career, help your health, help your mind. Nothing but good stuff. Can I get a big amen? This is where it's going to get really good. So time and, and, and uh, hypocrites and, and it's just a building. Well, how about this one? Here, if I haven't hit you yet, here's a good one for you. Those people in church are so judgmental. They're so judgmental in church. Anybody ever heard that? It's actually out of Matthew 7. They quote it and probably don't even know where it is. Judge not lest you be judged. They'll quote that. Let me tell you something. The world is good at quoting God's word. They just don't understand it. And so we kind of sometimes get that thing, well, don't judge me. If I go to church, this is a bunch of people judging me, and they're going to look down on me. And listen, I want to clarify something. At church, if you're living a lifestyle that's not godly and according to the word of God, we are never going to condemn you because that's God's job. That's God's job. But it is God's, the, church, the church's job, sorry, and Christian's job to judge each other because we're supposed to help each other. The Bible says that if I see something that you're doing that's not right and I come in and talk to you about it, I'm not judging you, I'm helping you. Yeah. 
I'm saying, you know what, if you keep living this kind of life, it's going to do this and that because I've been through this experience. And so you people need to learn to look at that differently. Okay? But listen to this. Stay with me. One of the most powerful things we get in church right now this morning is to God's word preached to us. And when God's word is preached to us, it changes us. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this. When I, when I spoke to David about basketball and said, David, you're putting a priority more over basketball than you are God's house by saying you can't drive that far. I was being a faithful friend who would, it was, in a sense, wounding him for a good. Did y'all catch that? Read the verse. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, a true friend, a true believer, is going to talk to you about your life and talk to you, and they're going to say, not only am I going to talk to you about what I see in your life, talk to me about what I see in my life. Because Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. And we can help each other. And that judgmental thing that people try to use, like, I don't want to go there because they're going to judge me. When a person begins to know God, they start to embrace church. And they start to embrace the fact that people around them are telling them these things, not because they're being judgmental, but because they're trying to help them not later get judged by the great judge up in heaven. Some of y'all will catch that later. And the next verse after Proverbs 27, 6, you can read it later, or the, far, the, the prior verse in 5 says, Open rebuke is better than love concealed. I would rather be rebuked publicly by God's word than to be deceived secretly. So uh, don't worry, I'm not looking for any amens. I told you it was going to get a little heavy here. This is, this is the surgery part of the message. Because we need somebody to tell us, and that's what God's Word does, what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. You, you didn't get set free from drugs. You didn't get your marriage restored. You didn't have these financial breakthroughs by accident. God's Word was wounding you faithfully through the Word and doing surgery in your life and teaching you the principles of God's Word. And you began to say, you know what? Instead of being a baby and feeling bad about the, con the conviction that I feel, I'm going to start appreciating the conviction because it's changing my life and turning me in to somebody that's serving God and loving God and doing God's things, and that's maturity. So you don't look at it that way. Now, as I close, watch this. This is important. We are people who are out of sight, out of mind. Does everybody know what that means? If we're not around it, we don't think about it. Lots of people get away from church, and they don't realize what they're missing. Watch this. But slowly, and I have seen it for 20 years of pastoring, slowly but surely, the kids start acting a little crazy. Slowly but surely, the marriage starts falling apart. Slowly but surely, they start going back to their addictions and going back to the way they used to be. And by the time it's done, when they have not realized, out of sight, out of mind, that I'm not going to church, they're divorced, their kids are on drugs, they're remarried to a drug addict, they hate life, they're miserable, and that's the life that they live because they chose to realize, they didn't choose to realize how important church was and that church was not a waste of time. Amen? It's not a waste of time. Church will keep you saved. It'll keep your kids saved. And as many people say, it'll keep the crime rate down. How many know? Amen, officer. 
that because of Victor World Outreach, the crime rate has gone down in the Metroplex. That's the truth. That's the truth. Some of y'all, if you weren't here right now, you know where you'd be. Look at James chapter 1. How many give me just a few more minutes? James chapter 1. Watch this. Verse 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who is observing his natural face in a mirror. And then he observes himself and walks away and forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law, that's the Bible, of liberty and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one, watch this, will be blessed in what he does. A person who understands the importance of coming to church and making a commitment and making sure that, yes, I have vacation, and yes, I have times when I get sick, and yes, I have times when things come up that I can't control, but I put God first, and I put church first, and I put the things of God first. My kids watch it. My family watches it. And then they grow up, and they want to do the same thing. So I, I know a lot of parents in this, in this church, that, and, and some that have come, some that have gone, some that are here. You, you're going to come seek counseling from me. And my counsel is going to be, you know what, I'll pray with you, but if you would have brought your, church, your kids to church consistently all these years, they wouldn't be in this position. It's true. Church keeps us. Now, last thought. This is the most powerful one. If you didn't get anything else, get this. I think one, another one of the biggest reasons that people don't make church a priority is going back to that judgment part. They don't want to come to terms with the word of God in their life. Think about that. If I don't go and hear it, I'm good. Are you listening? If I st- and we don't do it on purpose. We don't wake up and go, I'm not going to church because I don't want to be convicted. We don't do it on purpose, but the devil... Is he good? You good? You don't need to go. Your marriage isn't that bad. You're, and he keeps us away. And, and, and what we really are telling, what our flesh is really doing is, I don't want to go deal with my flesh and what the Spirit wants me to do with my flesh. That's the truth. But here's a last thought. If you don't get anything else out of this message, please get this. What if, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to make sure this goes into the Small group study, please, for the week. Because if we don't talk about anything else, this was something the Lord spoke to me yesterday, clear as a bell. What if church is a place where your life gets judged by the Word of God now so you don't have to be judged by God later? Did y'all catch that? What if God established the church setting, the place where we come to hear the Word, so that we could feel that judgment. Oh, they're so judgmental. That judgment at church, so that we don't have to be judged later by God in eternity. I really believe that that's really the nucleus of why the church exists. We get people saved, we reach them, then we teach them, and then we multiply that. But in that reaching and teaching, people come to terms that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. We come to terms that I'm lost and I need to be found. We come to terms that I'm, I'm blinded, and I need my eyes to open up. Amen?
And here's what I mean by this as the musicians begin to come. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Watch this. For This is the verse after 25. How many know sometimes we're reading the Bible and then we stop? And we're like, nah, I don't want to read that anymore. And the next verse is what we really needed to read. Remember he said not to forsake our assemblies together as the time approaches? Watch the next verse. For if we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Watch this. Next verse. But a certain fearful expectation of what? Judgment. A fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Now, what? now stay with me here. Matthew 10 mentions it. Romans 2 mentions it. Hebrews 9 mentions it. All throughout the Bible, you hear the word judgment, judgment, judgment. Is it possible that God established the church as a setting and a place to be accountable to so that we would have our lives in the right position so that when that day comes, which is our death or the return of Christ, we are ready to meet God as a Savior and not as a judge? Judge me, judge me, judge me, judge me now, God, so when I get to heaven, the judgment will be over. The condemnation will not be there. That's why the Bible says now who, anyone who's in Christ, is there is no now, now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Watch this. Stay with me. For we must all appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the Bible tells us here that this is a setting where we are judged by God. So we look inward, we look in that mirror, and we don't forget what it tells us. We deal with sin. This is one of the reasons, main reasons, we have an altar. This is one of the main reasons we have a place to come pray after a service because the message speaks to us and we do business with God and we say, Lord, that message judged me. That message convicted me. That message showed me who I am and now I need to make a change. My passion is not where it needs to be. My heart is not where it needs to be. Something needs to change. So I'm going to go to that altar and I'm going to deal with it right now in church so that I don't have to deal with it later when I stand before you in judgment. And that's the one that you want to be at, by the way. The judgment seat of Christ. There's two judgments. If you don't want to be in one of the judgments, too bad. Didn't ask us. There are two judgments. There's one that you'll meet him as a savior, and there's one you'll meet him as a judge. But it will only be for justice, not for salvation. And that's in Revelations chapter 20. Look at this. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The sad part of that verse is it means there's a lot of people. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Oh, they're just so judgmental in church. Listen, you need to be judged because you need to realize everything you do and everything you say is being written down. That ought to be sobering for us. Hello? Shouldn't that be sobering? The thoughts that you had yesterday, the things we did last week, it's all written down. Unless we have Jesus. He says the books will be opened, and another book was opened, and this is the book you want to be in, the book of life. The way you get in the book of life is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, and that will put you at the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment. And the dead 
were judged according to their works. I was witnessing to a guy Friday night at the restaurant, and I said, have you thought about what's going to happen after you die? He's training to be a fireman. I gave him a track. He came back to the table, which has never happened, thanked me for the track, and said he had read it. Like while he was serving us, he went away. That's never happened. And so I said, come here for a second if you don't mind. It was getting near the end of the time, so he wasn't super busy. And I said, you're about to be a fireman. What, what do you, what, if you go into one of those fires and God forbid you lose your life, where are you going to go? What's going to happen? He said, I'm going to go to heaven. I said, why? He said, because, I mean, he said, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to see my ancestors. I said, why? He said, because I'm a good person. And I said, well, what makes you think you're good? And I said, is everybody going to go to heaven? He says, no, people are going to go to hell. I said, who's going to go to hell? He said, bad people. So he understood heaven and hell, good and bad. That's a good start. I said, listen, you're a good, he's 18 years old, you're a good man. I said, but let me tell you something. As you go in to save people in a fire, 2,000 years ago, that's what Jesus did. Jesus went in and he saved us. He gave his life so we could come out of the fire. I said, you're going to be doing that for a career, but I need you to understand something. You need to go read the end of that book again because you need to understand that your good works are not going to get you into heaven. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and the only way to heaven is believing in him. And I witnessed to him right there, and I told him that. And I'm, tr I'm trying to get him to understand that it's not about being good or bad. Because the Bible says our goodness is filthy rags. It's about letting God judge us now. Are you all getting this? By the things which were written in the books. Let's finish reading and we'll close. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. The death and Hades were delivered uh, up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, there it is, each according to his works. The death in Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The Bible promises if we put our faith in Jesus, we will not have a second death. We will only die once, physically. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is established unto man once to die, then comes judgment. What happens after we die? Judgment. But again, either in hell or in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is there another verse? Okay, that was 15, sorry. Church, what if church main goal is getting you saved, keeping you saved, and letting all that judgment come now so that when we get to heaven, the judgment we get will be godly and good. Amen? Let's give the Lord praise one more time for his awesome word. As you're, as you're here, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Is church worth my time? Yes. Is church a waste? No. Is church important? Yes. Is this building my salvation? No. But it's where Christians come to be equipped. It's where Christians come to hear a word that challenges them. If you're not in a church that challenges you, if you're not in a church that preaches the gospel, if you're not in a church that preaches against sin, if you're not in a church that preaches in restoration and redemption, if you're not in a church that preaches the blood of Jesus and the cross and the return of Christ, get in another church. Get in a church that preaches the Bible. All the Bible. Not just the things you want to hear, but the things you need to hear. Because the Bible's full of both. And the Bible says, church, as you're praying with me, 
that judgment starts with the house of God. So we can't put our eyes on this messed up world and blame the world. We have to understand that the problem starts with the church. We got to get back to church. We got to get back to going to God's house and making it a priority. There's too many baseball and football and soccer games and movies and hobbies and things that we do. And those are all fine if they're in their place. But when they're before God, it's a problem. When you put God first, you'll be amazed how much time you'll actually have left over. Because God is a redeemer of time. How many in this place this morning, before we open these altars and spend a few minutes allowing the Holy Spirit to judge us and quicken us and convict us of where we're at in our lives, could say, Pastor, I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If I died today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. And according to what you're saying, I don't have Jesus in my life. I would go to hell. How many this morning would want to give your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I need a Savior, and today I'm going to turn my life around, and I'm going to admit that I'm a sinner, and I'm going to accept what you did on the cross for me. How many all across this place would just lift up your hand and say, pray for me. I need to be saved. I see your hand. How many more all over this place? I'm not saved. I'm not asking you to be a member of, of this church. I'm not asking you if you're going to come here again next Sunday. I'm asking you where are you going to spend eternity and where will you stand in judgment? Will you stand before Jesus as Savior or will you stand before Jesus as judge? How many more? I'm not saved. I'm talking to someone who's never done the prayer. You've never put Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Today's the day. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. We're going to pray. I'm going to wait just a few moments. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. The Bible says what's happening right now in, in the book of Revelation is he's knocking on the, heart, on the door of your heart. And he's saying, let me come in. Let me be Lord of your life. You've tried for too long and you've messed up too many times. Won't you give me a chance? God's like, won't you let me show you what I can do in your life in order? Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You know the Lord. You gave your life to the Lord at some point. But today you're what the Bible calls lukewarm. You're neither hot or cold. And you need to come back to your first love. How many could say, that's me. You're talking to me. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I see those hands. God sees those hands. The Bible says he's married to the backslider. He'll, he, he'll leave the 99. He'll go after the one. Let's stand to our feet this morning and as those that are watching online still, maybe you're online and you're listening to the podcast or you're watching right now on this live stream and you want to be saved, we're going to say a prayer. If you raised your hand for rededication or for salvation and you meant that this morning, we believe in what's called a public de declaration of our faith. We'd love for you to say, you know what, I want this whole church congregation to know that I'm making a decision for Christ today. If you just step out of your seat quickly, just come down to this altar. We're going to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Just step out. Come down quickly all across this place. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but something's telling you, I need to make a decision today. I need to give my life to the Lord today. Come on, let's give a bigger clap to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it means everything, church. This is something that the Bible says 
that when we confess him before man, he confesses us before our Father. And when we deny him before man, we deny him before our Father. And it kind of goes back to that whole thing of stadiums and stuff. It's crazy how someone would just act an absolute fool in front of, in front of perfect strangers for a team that can't do anything for them. But they wouldn't say, you know what, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So God sees your hearts. That's the cool. The Bible says he weighs the intentions and the motives of our hearts. He sees the purity of our hearts. He sees the desire. We all fall short. We all fail. None of us are perfect in here. As hard as we try. On your best day, your very best day, like the day you wake up and you don't do anything but fast and pray and read the Bible and listen to worship, you're still a sinner. On your very best day, you still don't even get started on the ladder to get up to God's holiness. That's why Jesus came down, because he said, you can't do it. And the cross makes us all equal. We're all sinners, and we all need a Savior. And the crazy thing is, it could be somebody here who's never, ever made what the world would call a big sin, or it could be standing next to a murderer, and they're both going the same place without Jesus, and they're going, both going the same place with Jesus. That's the grace of God. So we're all going to say this prayer this morning. And we're going to ask the Lord to come into our hearts. And we're, those that are watching online, before we go off, we're going to say this. Lord Jesus, thank you for mercy and grace to give me this opportunity to stand in your presence. Thank you for this church that's open, that somebody invited me, cared for me, told me about church so I could be here right now. Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. Everything your word says is true. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Please forgive me for all of my sins, the ones I know about and the ones I don't know about. Please wash me clean with your precious blood that you shed on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead and defeated death hell and the grave this morning God please write my name in the Lamb's book of life so I can have eternal life and from this day forward to the best of my ability I'm going to humble myself learn your word and serve you thank you Jesus amen amen the Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen? Hallelujah.